Welcome to the, those who are here with us. Welcome to anybody who's joining us on our video stream. Mom and Dad, thank you. See you guys. Praying for you. Glad you're able to join us. Others as well. If you're listening to this later on as you're tapping into our online sermon series, thank you. Thank, thank you for joining us, and I hope that this time will be a blessing to you as well. So we are going to continue today with our New Life in Christ series. One of the promises of our faith is new life in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's one of the best things about our faith. If our life and faith can be represented by this tree, for example, we, have, we long to see the leaves, the fruit, and the beauty of a healthy plant in our lives as well. But we need to understand how that fruit is born. It's not a function. Fruit is not born. Leaves don't grow by willpower or hard work or force of will. Scripture says that the basis of our fruitfulness comes as we learn to abide in him. We read this verse last week. We're going to take a look at it again today. Jesus said, remain in me. This is the same chapter, the same passage, same section that the children just read. Their, their, um, their verse this morning. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. New Living Translation. I've tweaked it a little bit here and used the word that we're maybe used to seeing in that abide in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you abide in me. Remain in him. Abide in him. So a word of caution here. So when we think about what the word remain and abide means, so similar to Jesus' exhortation regarding the meekness, there's a risk that we will, we will confuse the concept of abiding with passivity. So just as meekness does not mean that you are a convictionless pushover. In fact, meekness, I think, means setting aside your own priorities, and focusing on the priorities of the Father, and focusing on the needs of the people around you. It can also, it, it, that can mean that an extreme sacrifice, extreme examples of servanthood can be meekness. But meekness can also be you or me, and throughout church history, it's meant people that resist persecution to the point of death. That is a meek response because you're focusing on God's priorities. So, some, so sometimes meekness, I mean always, meekness is not weakness or passivity. In the same way, in the same way, abiding does not mean that Jesus does things to you while you're having a quiet time with a nice cup of coffee on a rainy morning. Rather, it means that we are connected to him. And it means we are pruned by him and challenged by him. The command to abide is also an invitation to a deeper relationship. A natural result of that connection, a natural result of that pruning is a deeper relationship. And it's that relationship, that relationship that I'd like to focus on today as we, as we talk. So how do we cultivate that relationship? How do we abide? You know, one way we talked last week, we honor the command to rest in him spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Another way to cultivate that relationship is to pray. And sometimes when we talk about prayer, we often describe it as a task to complete. I have a list of things I'm praying for. I have a list of people 
I'm praying for. You have the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. That's, that's fine. It's, or it's part of our daily quiet time. You know, how much time do we spend praying these things? It can be sort of a formula. So in a real sense, in a real sense, any sense of obligation that we have, any sense of obedience to him is appropriate. It's appropriate. Because let's face it, God is infinite. And he's awesome. And he's beyond our comprehension. And the reality is we do and I do owe him my worshipful attention. And yet gladly through Christ, we're not robots or slaves. Rather, we're his children. This parent-child relationship is based on grace through faith in Jesus Christ, powered by the Holy Spirit. This parent-child relationship is based on grace he extends to us, faith that we place in Jesus Christ for salvation, and it's powered and fueled and sustained by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, because of that grace, I will say that our prayer life, the time we spend talking to him, should be measured not only by the number of minutes per day or the checked things, the things you go through, the structure of your prayer, but rather on the quality of our connection to him. And that quality of connection results in a deep, deeper relationship and a growing relationship over the course of our life. So I'm going to take the liberty of rephrasing this exhortation to prayer. Rather than talk about how to pray or use some formula or an exhortation to make sure you better have your quiet time every single day, I'm going to describe our connection to God in, in a less formal manner, basically talking to God talking to God because of the relationship that we have with him. We can talk to him because we have an intimate relationship with him. Let's take a look at some scripture that reinforces these intimate aspects of our relationship with him. Romans 8.15, so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, take a moment and just read that again silently. Now we call him Abba, Father. Scripture says that we are adopted. As adopted children, we are now called a child of God. And the phrase child of God, it may seem like church speak, it may seem like a bit of a cliche, um, but it's true. It's a reality once we are in faith in Jesus. In his, here in um, Mark 14, 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Before the crucifixion, addressing God the Father as Abba was a privilege that Christ had. Now scripture says that we can call God Abba. Have you ever, have you ever, when you're driving or walking, or thinking, or arguing, <laughs> or happy or sad, or watching television, or laying in bed, or in the bathroom, or whatever it is, have you ever paused and just said, Abba, God, you are my father, and then pour out your heart to him, whether it's good or bad, or ugly, or rejoicing, have you ever done that? How does it feel to talk to a loving father? 
Many folks have had difficult relationships with fathers. My goal is not to diminish that. And yet we also, there's also something in, in us that relates to being able to go to a father or a father figure and be received and encouraged and accepted. And <laughs> they're glad to see you. Glad to see you. That's Abba Father for us. And you can talk to him like that. How would it feel to talk to him like that? Instead of just feeling like you have a list of things to go through. How would it change your attitude about seeking him? Spending time with him. If you knew he's glad to see you. And that you can settle in with him and say, Abba, Father. Paul expands on this idea of adoption in Galatians. He says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. He bought our freedom so that he could adopt us. So you, you know the illustration of the judge who pays the bill, right? Sometimes if you're sharing, your, you have a chance to share your faith with someone, you, I've used this illustration in the past, and maybe you've heard it before too, like you, someone's got a speeding ticket, and they come before the judge, and, um, and he says, I can't pay for the ticket. And so the judge says, well, I have to enforce the law, but I want to show you my love. And so he gets down, comes down, and gives you a $100 bill, and goes back up and says, can you pay the bill? And then you give him the bill, right? So that's the picture we use of God where he maintains his holiness and also offers you, he also offers you grace and freedom and gifts. How about this? It's a great illustration. But if anything, it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go far enough. What if I'm, what if I'm the guilty party? What if you're the guilty party? What if you're the guilty party? And you come before the judge and say, I can't pay the bill. And this judge not only comes down off the bench and gives you the money that you need to pay your bill, and then adopts you as his son and forgives you of the pain and the, and the error. That's what's really happening there. And maybe that's what example I'm going to use from now on when I'm sharing the faith. This judge who can rightly and justly and with goodness apply the law to me, not only pays the price for my sin, he doesn't say, okay, here, get $100, like, get out of my face. I don't want to see you in front of my bench again. He says, I'm adopting you as my son. What an amazing, what an amazing thing. And Paul, I'm sure his heart was just bursting as he writes these things, especially to the Galatians. He goes on with this astonishing statement in, in Galatians. He said, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You see what he did there? Who's he invoked with this passage, and with this encouragement? Anybody want to? The Trinity. Paul invokes the Trinity when describing our intimacy with the Father through Christ. The Trinity describes the intimacy that the, the Godhead has each person with another. The Spirit of the Son prompts us, the Spirit of the Son prompts us to call out, Abba, Father. All that God is, He wants to share with us. All that God is, His most intimate 
loving expression. That's what he's making available to us. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing and worth thinking about. How does it feel to talk to an Abba like that? Maybe your Abba is flawed. And I have empathy for that. I'm flawed, but our Abba is perfect and powerful and rich and inviting us. And I want to talk to him. He ransoms us. He adopts us. And then he prompts us into the intimacy of relationship. This this is the intimacy. This picture, this image is what prompts me on the days when my heart is right. This is what prompts me to look at prayer as an opportunity to talk to a loving Abba God, not a task that I have to accomplish, but someone entering into the presence of someone who wants to be with me. Maybe this is part of the reason, maybe this is part of the vision that Jesus had in mind. He said, when you pray, don't pray with vain repetition. Talk to your Father. Let Him know what you need. And the Father wants to talk to us who are His children. There's more examples from the Old Testament. We won't go in depth. Exodus 33, verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God has a special relationship with Moses and called him a friend. God is in the business of having special relationships with those that are close to him. Moses was his friend. So I hope that you see our relationship with God has fundamentally changed through Christ. Even more, Galatians 4, 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. His heir. So this judge pays the penalty, adopts me as his child, and then makes me the heir of his estate. It's astonishing. We serve a good and loving God whose part of his inmost being is to give and to redeem and to save and to draw us into relationship. And it's just... Motivating, motivating. I pray it will be motivating for you. Even if you're not now at a spot, maybe your heart's at a spot right this moment where there's things going on that are hard and stressful, I get it, but you're not going to be there always. Take some time to think about these things. Meditate on these things. Take them home and seek Him. Whether you're in a crowd on 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 a train or in your car or by yourself or whatever, say, Abba, Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me, in, me into your presence. We are not God's enemy. We're not his slave. We're not only his child, but we're also his heir. Amazing. This is the utter transformation of our relationship. From before we know Christ as Savior, before we placed our trust in him, before we repented of our sins, the utter transformation of our relationship. We are his child. We are his friend. We are his heir. How he looks at us. You know the joke, the meme, it says, it goes something along, like, I want to find someone that looks at me the way my boyfriend looked at his new car, or something along those lines. It's like, you know, you see this look of, you see this picture of someone looking at someone with an intense longing of something like that, and man, I wish someone would look at me that way. 
this, this, is, this is what I think of. Once we are saved, once we place our faith in Christ, once we have this righteousness imputed to us, God looks at us that way. He looks at us that way because he wants a deep and special relationship with us. We're ransomed from slavery. We're adopted as children. We're treated as friends and heirs. So how does it feel to talk to an Abba like that? Would it change your attitude of your motivation to even spend just a few moments with someone like that that loves you so deeply and cares about you so much? So now I get to ask you what you're going to do with this description of intimacy. And obviously I can't answer that for you, but I can exhort you. Love him back. He loves you. He sends his son for you. He initiates with you. Love him back. Repent from sin with confidence, knowing that if you repent, you come to him, he's going to forgive you. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And even after we know him as believers, I still screw up. He welcomes me back quickly, cleanses me, reinstates me, washes me, sets me here, Sarah, here. Don't do it again. I love you. He responds the best way possible. And then last but not least, talk to him. Just talk to him. Whether you pour out your heart for an hour or you pour out your heart for two seconds, talk to him knowing you're, you've got the ear of an Abba Father who loves you dearly. So this verse came to mind. This is how I personally respond this is the verse that comes to mind from my personal response to God with an invitation to intimacy like this. Psalm 27, verse 8. One of my favorite verses. When, when you said, seek my face, God speaking, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. When I call, sometimes if I'm in the house and, uh, and I call out someone, Madeline, I hear it. Yes, sir. Somewhere off in the distance. Thank you, Madeline. That's a good example. For my other kids as well, of course. It's that thing. They, you, you, they hear their father's voice. And, 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 the, and the response is, yes, that is what I think of here. He says, David, seek my face. And through Christ, <laughs> through the renewing effect of the Holy Spirit in my life, my heart says, yes, Lord, your face I shall seek. Yes, Lord, your face I shall seek. My heart does that because of the Holy Spirit. It delights me. It joys for me. Oh, my goodness, he's calling for me. Maybe he's got something he wants me to do, something, someone to love, someone to serve, some way to serve. Maybe he just wants to say, hey, remember that verse you read? How about this? Boom. This is an insight about who I am or what your life is like or what's going on in the world around you. So what do you do? Just take a moment and think. What do you do when you hear or feel his prompting? And it's different for each one of us. Some people are like, I've heard a voice. It wasn't prompting. I read something. What do you do when you hear his voice? So, and that's up to you to answer. So the question, part of the challenge here for us is, can you hold two different aspects of God in your heart and your mind? Can you worship him? Can you worship his eternal attributes, his holiness, his goodness, his justice, and hold him in reverence as he rightly deserves and as we rightly owe him? Can you, and while still enjoying the intimacy 
the intimacy that he bought for us and invites us into. Eternal, eternality, power, reverence, intimacy, closeness. There's a tension between these two things. And you and I have to do both. And you're not going to say, if it's in the middle of the scale, it's here always. There's going to be a tension. There's going to be a flow back and forth. Because your relationship, it's a relationship where the needs change and his requirements and his call on your life change. It's a tension that constantly goes back and forth. So in my mind, this tension and understanding this is what abiding is about. Abiding is a dynamic experiencing of worship and reverence and intimacy with God, our Abba Father. Jehovah God, to whom I should bow and lay on the floor, Abba Father, who welcomes me, even when I've screwed up. They're both true. They're both true. What an amazing gift. What an amazing gift. We'll spend the rest of our lives absorbing these truths. It starts with salvation. Our relationship continues as we call him Abba. And we learn to abide with him in prayer. Let's talk to him now. Abba. You are good to me, Lord. And I thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all that you've built for me. And I can't even comprehend it all. But I'm grateful for it. I pray each one of us can slow down enough today or tomorrow or the day after, whenever it might be. Abba, speak to us and teach us to say, Lord, I hear you and I seek your face. Amen.